the inspired title of it is A Psalm of David, A Contemplation. And let me read verse 1. It's very simple. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Uh, you can't m- get much more simple than that. If you were to uh, ask what the basics of Christianity are all about, it's about this concept, about forgiveness and the covering over of our sins. And so this communication meditation, Tabitha knows it'll be long. Some of you might think it'll be short. But uh, I'll milk it for all it's worth. So now, there are two key phrases here. They're synonymous. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Transgression is forgiven, and sin is covered. So you can think of these as synonymous, and actually when you do a search for sin in old and new, you often see them uh, quite a bit, these two phrases. And uh, yet, though they are synonymous, though they do mean the same thing, they actually are different. And so when we talk about transgression is forgiven, it's describing a state of sin as being forgiven. Sin has been dealt with. There's something that's been done to it. We don't even know what that is yet, but it's result in the forgiveness of that sin. And this is what we know has been done to it. The next thing, the sin has been covered. So see, the one leads to the other. The covering of the sin is synonymous with the forgiveness of sin, but they're fundamentally different. The one is something that's being done to it, and and it results in this. Now, what does it mean that our sin was covered over? What does it mean? So the first thing you want to understand is, well, okay, what are we quick to jump to conclusions to? So let's get rid of that first. So what is it that we try to do to cover over our sins? What did Adam and Eve do? in the garden to cover over their sins. They fabricated their own covering. They recognized the problem and they attempted to deal with the problem. But fallen man and woman are unequipped to deal with the problem. And so anything that we do is going to fail. In Proverbs 28.13 it says this, He who covers his sins will not prosper. He who covers his sins will not prosper. And then it goes on to tell you what you need to do. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So we can't successfully cover our sins. Never have, never will. And so the only way we can attain that is by confessing and forsaking them. Then God grants us mercy. So what do we do, though, our sins? You know how we mostly try to cover over our sins? The big three. Deny. I didn't do that. Blame. The devil made me do that. Excuse. Well, I only did it because of thus and such. Or also there's a fourth. Well, it's really not that bad anyway. It's not that big of a deal. Those are really big with us. That's how we attempt to deal with our sin for the most part. And so none of those are effective, however, and we all know that. It doesn't prevent us from doing it over and over and over again. And some of us are very deep into those ruts. 
and we refuse to give them up willingly, we must be beaten out of the ruts that we tend to fall into. And God does do that to us. He beats us out of those ruts. We have to go back to 28.13. Whoever confesses and forsakes them will receive mercy. There is this healing balm that's waiting for us. If only we would accept our sins, admit our sins, recognize them, not try to shirk ownership of them at all. In Psalm 85, 2, we read this, Lord, you have forgiven the iniquity of your people. You have covered over all their sin. God can do it. We can't. God can. And yet, Jesus, very early in Mark, in Mark chapter 3, he forgives a man his sins. And then he says, before the Pharisees, when they accuse him of, of blasphemy, he says, which is easier for me to do? Say, get up and take your mat and walk, or your sins are forgiven. He's equating the two. From his perspective, he sees them as the same thing. From our perspective, we don't know. But he knew, and he admitted that he knew. He just told them the truth. And they said, but you're essentially making yourself out to be God. Yes. <laughs> yes, he was. And so he knew it, they knew it. And from that moment on, the Pharisees and the Herodians plotted to destroy him, Scripture says. So now, Jesus was castigated for covering over sins. And it's because they didn't accept him as God. Now, I skipped over a word in verse 1, and it's blessed. I skipped over the word blessed, and I want to cover that. Because that's really the title of this message. Psalm 32, verse 1, the title I have is Tremendous Blessing. That's what this is called. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Sin separates us from God. From the instant sin entered the world, it drives man away from God, and it's through God's own desire that we're driven from him, right? He's the one that sent the angel to drive them out of the garden. So God did not want us around. He did not want us in his holy presence. And it remains that throughout time. We are not welcome in God's, God's holy presence unless we are holy like he is holy. So then how are we made holy? Of course, by the covering. We're born into sin. We remain sinful throughout our entire lives. There are sects of Christianity that deny that, that deny we're born into sin, that deny that we consistently remain in sin. But that's foolishness. Both are foolishness. We are sinful. We're born into it. We remain into it, in it. But we have a Savior who covers over our sins, which makes us acceptable in God's presence. And so we enter into God's presence. Unlike all who went before Christ, every Jew who lived, every human who lived, was not welcome in God's presence. But we are. We have a special privilege. That's why Jesus said, you know, all beyond John. I mean, they're, they're just, we are, we are on the mountain. All before that, we're in the valley. So we've changed. Our position with God has fundamentally changed. So if your sins are forgiven, if God has covered them over, you are blessed. There is no good on this earth that is greater than that. There is no good on this earth that comes close to that. 
And so we Christians have the greatest blessing on earth. And you just wouldn't know it at times. Because we can gripe over the trivial things that unbelievers can gripe over. It isn't that they're unimportant. We know that. But by comparison, they are insignificant. And all God wants us to do is to remember that all the time. That what he's given us is tremendous blessing. Don't forget it. And so in the same way, if the greatest good on this earth pales in comparison to salvation, the greatest evil also, by contrast, pales in comparison to experience on this earth, should not steal our joy, cannot steal our joy. If only we would remember that we have been blessed tremendously by having our sins covered over. So, when we come to the table, this is this tremendous good. We have been reconciled to a God who had severed the relationship with us at the fall, and yet who restored it in Christ. And we can enter freely into his presence in a heartbeat, in an instant. You can enter into God's presence, something that no Old Testament believer could do. So, as we come to the table, let's remember that this is the greatest thing on earth. And we, God has chosen us for this blessing. But we'll get to that next week. Father, we thank you for your love uh, for not only mankind, but for us as individuals. Uh, we thank you, Father, that you have uh, poured out your love upon the earth. As Scott uh, mentioned in the introduction, uh, we could be in the midst of such an evil world it is evil, but not nearly as evil as it could be. We could have things like this occurring in every city, every day. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And mostly we thank you for this tremendous blessing of reconciliation with you. And it's in Christ's name and for his sake that we give you thanks. Amen.